When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to a new edition of Grecian's Gossip. I'm joined by Jamie Hawkins and Dan Clark. Hi guys. Hi, hello. So, the disappointment of Wembley, are you guys over it yet? Just, How are you, Jamie? It's <laughs> just about until you mention it again. Yeah, um, it's a deep scar. Yeah, it's one of those where you just want to forget about it really after back-to-back defeats now. It's such a, a horrible experience to lose at Wembley, but to do it two years in a row, it really takes stuffing out of you doesn't it yeah, um you know not just the 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 result but the performance as well you know it wasn't the first half i thought wasn't too bad it was quite an even contest sort of dominated the ball i think commentary didn't look that promising um to start with and then i always thought when the first goal goes in you know with thirty-five thousand pounds behind them it's always going to give mm-hmm. them a, a massive lift and unfortunately exeter just couldn't deal with it, um, couldn't respond to it, and when it's three 0 sitting there thinking this could be anything. Every home. yeah, <laughs> every time commentary went forward, they looked like they were going to yeah. score. Um, and yeah, it just the thing it seems to be the same thing in in big games. When you see the team, the lineup, you know, Tisdale always likes to throw a surprise in there, and he did it again with, with starting Craig Woodman, yeah. which I thought was a. Poor choice. He hasn't played much at all this season. You know, on a, a big pitch. You know, he's on well, his thirties now, and you can tell his, his legs are, are starting to go. Um, so yeah, the team selection was wrong. The tactics were wrong. Um, we just discussed this you off air about Jane and Stockley once again. He was yeah. just left alone up front. Totally with isolated. No one within a few yards of him, and um, yeah. So from then, it was almost meant to be, I suppose, in, in a defeat. But um, yeah, just another horrible day out, and um, yeah, as soon as full time went, I and most <laughs> of the fans that were left just <laughs> wanted to get get home as soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah. So how you saw it, Dan? Yeah, it's just one of those that you know, if you look at it, you can see the goals. It's two wonder strikes and a deflection. You could do nothing about, but there's mistakes throughout the, which have led to those goals earlier on that could have been avoided, and it was. It was all just a little bit too negative, the performance and and how the game went, in that they sort of were setting up, essentially, with the side they set up, they had to score first, and then you had to hang on, and I think they possibly could have done so had they got the goal, but it's just they never really ever felt that it was going to happen, and it was almost, you know, they came out of the second half, they conceded a goal almost straight away, and and that was that. Yeah, and then the second straight after, and that was that, really. It was just a, a little bit... Of a, it was a disappointing performance, really, given what we've seen in the past. And you know, perhaps, I think, Pierce went just a little bit too negative. I, you know, yeah. not sure Craig Woodman needed to, to come in at left-back. Dean Moxley on the left wing, it hasn't worked all season. And definitely it didn't work at Wembley. Again, Stockley was was too isolated, and you know, they couldn't get the big-game players... You know, into into positions, and there were two or three, you know, two or three players who just didn't really show up again at Wembley, and mm. 
in a big game and sort of it just felt almost a very similar a bit to last year's really and that it was all a little bit too inevitable but but third time lucky do it next do it next season yeah I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there Jamie you know the first half performance was okay and you just felt that you know because it was such a warm hot day it was about conserving energy and then second half would come out and and give it a real go conceding those those two goals was was an absolute killer but then not only was Tiz wrong with his team selection but you look at his substitutions as well I mean I still cannot for the life of me think why he brought on Lloyd James and Mm. played him on the right I mean surely that was that was crying out for Kane Wilson wasn't it yeah I mean he seems to have that obsession with Lloyd James playing on the right wing and I don't know he, he never seemed to fit that role I mean he did okay he'd put in a good few good deliveries and he's good on a set piece but there was no energy and like you said when you're crying out for on such a big pitch on a hot day you need pace in that team yeah. and there was I mean, none of it Edwards would do when he came on yeah he it, and he was brilliant he scored a brilliant goal Matt Jay as well looked yeah. really lively two of the best players on the day and they were both substitutes which probably says a lot I don't know maybe Tisdale doesn't seem to like to play um, youngsters in these sort of big games I always remember the the Liverpool replay when you you had Tom Nichols the top goal scorer and he dropped him for Clinton Morrison because he thought I think he said oh it's probably going to be his, his last big game so let's give him a, a chance like come on you don't go all the way up there to to see you know the veterans get one last it's yeah that's a good game. point actually because I felt that was the sort of mood of the City fans before the game you know when you heard the mm. team sheet it was like a real deflation nothing against Woody because obviously he tries his best and mm. you know nothing against him personally but you look at it and you thought, one up front, all season, City haven't played well with one up front, with Stoppy on his own, you've always felt he's needed support. Mm. And it's just that same deflation again from, you know, similar to how we felt yeah. at Liverpool. Yeah, and it worked, I know this is before Stockley, but earlier in the season when you had Ruben Reid and McLinden up front, they worked so well together, yeah. having two strikers up front, and then he tried it with Stockley and, and Reid and Simpson, and it didn't seem to work too well, two big guys up there, but when Stockley played with Matt Jay... That works so well because you have Stockley winning the headers and you know Jay running like a a Duracell yeah. bunny, like just running onto everything, chasing the ball down, and there just wasn't that at, at Wembley. And um, yeah, that was just a disappointing thing, and it just worked into commentary's hands really because as the game went on, City legs were tiring with Woodman and Moxie and other um, with the older players, and they capitalised on it. Yeah, we had chances though, didn't we, Dan? Yeah, there was well, there's sort of more half chances than anything else. Obviously, you know, I think that was a few shots from the edge of the box that Harley had that were either wide or saved. And Matt Jay hit the edge of the post with one, but I thought that Lloyd James header was was a great chance yeah. as well. He should have done better with that. Yeah, but it, it was all you know. There were chances, but they weren't saves that the, they weren't yeah. forcing the keeper. I don't honestly, I can't really remember their keeper really having to make anything other than a very comfortable save from a long... I think he had one from Harley, didn't he, in the yeah. second half? And that was about... And one yeah. that you'd expect him to make yeah. anyway. So it was yeah. it was sort of... It was pressure and creating chances, but you just never... It never had the feeling of, you know, sort of, there was anything going to happen. And, and yeah, I think Peter was a little bit surprised, actually, when, when Edwards did score. I think they'd sort of given up as just one of those days. Yeah. It was by that stage and it was it was just an odd it was an, almost an odd atmosphere from from the start with the City fans really because you know there weren't that many going this time it was only about 11,000 which is a lot less than other trips to Wembley so you kind of thought 
okay, the, well, a lot of the day-tripping fans weren't there, but actually by the time Edwards had scored, half the City fans had already gone, and mm. there was quite a few fans around where I was who it was their first game of the season, so you sort of feel, okay, so the day-trippers are not here, yet we've still got people who don't really watch the club, and it just sort of, sort of, there was an atmosphere from the fans from the start that they never really believed it, and they never really got behind the fact that the team too much, and I think sort of whether it sort of feet petered out into the pitch as well, and the whole feeling, but it just never felt that on the day that actually it didn't, like it, it didn't feel it. like the extra were going to win. It just no. sort of felt well, obvi- it's obvious Coventry are going to win this game. Mm. You know, I don't necessarily think they were a better side than Exeter. No, I think you're right. But on the day, they were they were the better side well, on the day. They, they stepped deserved, it up in the second half yeah. and scored the goals. Yeah, they deserve to win, and you know, I suspect. You know, I can't. I wouldn't think they'd be anywhere near the relegation zone next no. season. So, but on you know, if you do look at a positive for for Exeter from it, the four best sides in that division have probably gone up this season. So, you really there aren't that many sides who were in League Two last season who are going to be in it this season coming up who you'd be instantly worried about and thinking, well, they're going to get it right this season and they're going to be favourites for promotion. So that does sort of, you know, City will probably start next season as one of the four favourites to go up. Whether they can actually do that on the pitch, we'll find out. But yeah. Obviously, it was a big week after Wembley as well with um, Tiz announcing his departure at the end of uh, 12 years at St James's Park. Before we go on to that, what was, what was the atmosphere like where you guys were, I mean, where I was, it was quite vitriolic towards the end, and everyone, there was a few people saying they would never go and watch City again if Tiz remains. So well, it does kind of feel like now's the right time for that relationship to end and yeah. Tiz to test himself well, where, and where, City to go. Where I was, there wasn't, there was hardly anyone left by full time. <laughs> yeah, so same. it was, yeah, yeah it was, it wasn't an, it wasn't an atmosphere, well, where I was anyway, of anger or fury or anything. It was just. Sort of, there was no atmosphere almost. So people to speak. just accepted it. They, yeah, it's sort of a you know the Tisdale arguments sort of been done to death. That the there's you know there's people who think that you know they'll stick with him and no matter what happens he's the right man for the job. There's others who extra could you know get three promotions in a row and would still want him out of the club. You know it's almost sort of similar to an Arsene Wenger situation at Arsenal in that. No matter what the decision, you know, and your feelings on it, you kind of thought it's going to have it. Just has to to end, even though you, even if you think he's still the right man for the job, because it's just splitting the club so much, and you know, the fans have their opinions you know, are divided amongst themselves. I think Tisdale has sort of got to a point where he just had enough of you know the vocal minority, or yeah. if it is a minority of fans who were anti him, whatever he did, and just sort of had to come to a point of, you know, it probably was always going to ha- come to an end at the end of this season. And the fact that they lost the playoff final, I think, was just, you know, any hope of him wanting to stay went up that day anyway. Do you agree with that, Jamie? Yeah, I mean, did the the outcome of Wembley ride on his decision to leave? It's an interesting one. If we had won, would he still be going or not? And how would the reaction be if he had stayed because um, obviously most people had accepted that he was going um, 
you know, I think there'd been a few that would have said, oh, Tisdale's saying he's going to take us back down, probably. But, um, yeah, it really is similar to Arsene Wenger's situation. And it's been there for such a long time, had great success, so many good times. And then the last sort of few months and years just sort of faded out and most people knew it was it was coming, I suppose. It didn't really, for me, sink in until he was unveiled at Milton Keynes press conference it didn't seem real still but um, you know it's an interesting one because obviously he was offered a, a contract and he, he turned it down so there's obviously something in there that he didn't like maybe the Roland deal um, wasn't part of it who knows but um, yeah it's an int- it's just so interesting to see um, it'd be interesting to see where City go from here isn't it absolutely had that, that sort of stability and familiarity yeah. but for the last 12 years. Mm. Now, of course, it's, it is going to be different. I know that there's a lot of talk about continuity and stability with Matt Taylor, mm. but he's a new man with his own ideas. Yeah, and with Steve Perriman going as well. Yeah. He's been around for such a, a long period of time, seen, you know, taking the club through the, the, the dark woods, if you like, um, you know, 15 odd years ago when the club were on the brink of collapse. And um, yeah, to see Matt Taylor was, was such a. I wasn't too surprised about the appointment um, in a way because you know he's been such a big part of the club over the years, captain and such a fan favourite. Um, you know, probably for me one of the best players I've seen um, wear a, a city shirt, certainly in the Tisdale's Tisdale's reign. Then coming up through the under 23s coach, where he did really well, um, bringing through the young players. Um, so it's going to be interesting to it's fascinating to see how he will do. And like you said, it's such a when you. Obviously, Stu, when you spoke to him, he already seemed such a completely different yeah. talker to Tisdale, you know, mentioning um, the style of play, whereas Tisdale was quite sort of conservative with giving away his, his tactics and his approach. And Taylor straight away said, you know, he wants to play attacking football, wants to bring, was it three or four attacking players in? Yeah, so he, he, he sort of said that, you know, his retainers list would give away his idea as to how he wants the club to go forward. And, mm. Of course, when you look at the retainers that came out the following day, there was no Robbie. You know, Robbie Simpson was mm-hmm. gone. Ryan Brunt, um, trying to think who else was on Macklin, Macklinden as well was the other big name, and then the two defenders, yeah. of course, Troy Archibald Hemble and yeah. Danny Seaborn. So, it, you know, it was very much a case of getting rid of all those that he could get rid of, really, yeah. and leaving him with the ability to bring in whoever he can. Yeah, and he's kept, you know, like we've just said, most of the. The younger players as well, um, you know, there was a lot of, um, I don't know what the word is to describe, but a lot of, you know, veteran players or players towards the, the end of their careers and, you, you know, you think they were probably on the way out of the door um, anyway and, you know, Tisdale had that about him, he'd always bring in what he'd call experienced players, but players who, who are, you know, on the way out of their career but perhaps want to give it one last go at in Exeter, but Matt Taylor seems to have, you know, hopefully for for some fans got rid of that and believe in the the youth, believe in the academy, which um, as we've seen has produced so many great talents and another one obviously with, with Jordan's story, another prime example of um, a great player, you know, promising young player who's moved on to, to better things. Um, but it's just going to be interesting who, who Taylor brings in because I think for me, quite a few players signed for Exeter because of Tisdale yeah. you know the reputation 
everyone knows about him in, in club football, the longest serving manager in the country, whereas Matt Taylor's quite a, an unknown figure in management, so it'll be interesting to see who um, who he brings in and who he can persuade to, to join the club. Yeah, it's, it's interesting actually, a friend of mine asked me yesterday what sort of player do you think Matt Taylor will bring to Exeter? What do you think, Dan? Do you think he'll go down the young route or do you think it'll be the sort of experienced pros or a mixture of both? It might be a mixture of both really, I guess there's gonna, he's going to have to be I mean, you know, they're still actually sort of in the same position as as a club as they were. They're they're still a, they're a League Two club. They're miles away from you know either London or Manchester areas of the country in which you know it's it's easier for players to either you know they either live there or it's an expensive area of the country to live in. So automatically, you're limiting the you know the the pool of players that are going to be readily available to you. So you you might have you know. You know the best players. You might have to pay a little bit more over the odds to get them to come down to this area of the country. You don't have the drop off of sort of players dropping out of Premier League or Championship academies who already live in the area because there aren't any other clubs around the area. So you're going to have to either be relying on the youth team and bringing players through, and that seems to be a, a you know a successful route at the moment. Obviously, you know, seems to be one or two going a season. Whether it can, you can keep that up is a different question, but it, if you look at how the under-18s did in their results last season, you'd see absolutely no reason why they can't, because they keep winning games, the players keep coming through, so he's gonna, I think he's going to have to probably be you know, casting his net wide and looking just to see who else is out there, you know, obviously Tisto did bring back you know, quite a few old players of experience, but they weren't all bad with players they came back, some of them have been, you know, had, you know done really good jobs at the club, and you know, you might need you know one or two of those, you know, sort of more experienced players to come in. Looking at youngster, young players who perhaps have you know have fallen out of you know favour, didn't quite make it at a Premier League club, but that's not to say they you know not going to be perfectly adequate League One, League Two players. Obviously, having managed the under twenty threes last year, you you'd kind of hope that when he was you know playing those op- those other games, he was just keeping an eye out look at other clubs. Who played well against you? Who's available? Who we can bring in? But you know there are areas of the squad you look at and you go, they need you need players to come in in these positions, you know, certain positions, particularly in the forward positions, because you know, I think City were light there, light on real quality there last yeah. season, and, and now they're light on depth as well. So that's you know something you need you, you need to look in public, and perhaps you know still have an eye on the loan market as well, see who who can come in. And do a job, but you know we're sort of we've got absolutely no reference point as to what Matt Taylor's like as a manager, what kind of relationship he's got with other clubs, what you know who he, what kind of players he's going to want to. It's a bit of a you know it's a, it's a you know, so sort of for us we don't really know yet what he what kind of style of management he's he's going to be and you know what kind of relationship he's got. So it's a mm. it's a bit of a gamble and an unknown situation really until. Sort of his first few, you know, players come in, see who comes back on trial for the start of pre-season training, and that might give a, a bit of an idea as to who and what kind of players he wants. It'd be interesting to see if he looks at the non-league market as well, because obviously Matt's career has been predominantly spent in non-league before he came to Exeter, of course, and helped us into the football league. Um, there is a, a bit of talk at the moment of um, Cody Kirk down at Torquay. I don't know if you you guys know much about him. He's, he's certainly well liked yeah. and well respected down at 
Truro, isn't he? Got, he got a few goals for, for Truro last season, about 15, I think. He played quite a, a crucial part because they got to the playoffs um, in the third round of the FA Cup for the first time, of course, against Charlton Athletic. So, um, yeah, he, there's a lot of talk about him. I believe um, he's a teacher. He teaches in Exeter, oh, if really? I understand, at the college, um, like a PE teacher at the college or the university. So he's already got that link, I suppose, with, with Exeter. Um, but, um, you know, he's, I know he's desperate to make it as a pro, isn't he? He spent some time recently at Jamie Vardy's academy. Is that right? Oh, I yeah. didn't actually know that. But, um, yeah, from I, I did a little rumour story a couple of days ago, and he's been linked with quite a few clubs. Um, apparently, Stevenage have made a, an offer for him. Um, whether that's true or not, who knows? But um, yeah, it's always an interesting one, you know, with dipping into to the, the, the conference and, and below because you never know how it's how it can work. Obviously, we had James Norwood signing from from Eastbourne to, to League One. That was just such a huge step for him, and unfortunately, it didn't work out. But you know, being in League Two, going to the National League or National League South, is there much difference in quality? You know, it's quite similar in a way I think with um, you see some of the National League teams how, how they play and it's quite similar I think to the, the bottom half of League 2 we've, we've had some success as well with players of that level haven't we you know Dave Wheeler of course coming from yeah. Staines Ryan Harley was at Western Supermare mm. before he came to City so there's, yeah. they are out there yeah and um, you know you can't have the um, the excuse anymore with well there's no money because there is you know yeah. the, the players we sold still getting payments for, for Ampadu and hopefully a, a nice fee for, for Jordan's story as well so um, you know there is the money out there surely to be to be spent on the squad obviously they broke the, the club record for, for Stockley last season so there should be hopefully money available to, to Matt Taylor to go out and get these players because it's all well and good you know, you know trust in the academy and the youth players but you do need some experience in there. You do need, yeah, and goal scorers as well. Um, yeah. Players that have proven a, a decent standard. So, um, yeah, like you said, he's he knows non-league quite well, being there with with City. So maybe he'll he'll use that. Maybe some of his contacts at, at Charlton and, and Bradford as well. Who knows? Um, it's just going to be so fascinating for the next few weeks, isn't it? Yeah, I think the one difficulty he'll have, which every other city manager has had, is, is location, of course. Mm. You know, it's all very well having contacts in Bradford, but to then try and persuade a player from the northwest or, or northeast to move all the way down to Devon's a mm. difficult thing to do. And we've seen it countless times before. Yeah, before the city yeah. Managers, you, so. you almost got, you know, the cost of living here is exactly, higher and the yeah. wages are lower, which puts, you know, you've got to be a really attractive proposition to come all the way down and, and you want security as well if you're a player you know you want a two or three year contract yeah, at least and then you, you that's then that, that then puts you in a situation that if you know I think it's part of the issue that they had at Torquay this season that they hired they signed a load of players on two year deals and by September they realised they weren't good enough but then you you're stuck you're almost mm. stuck with them unless you can get someone to take them off your hands because you know the, what can you do you've given them a two year contract so which is, I think, sort of, you know, perhaps a little bit why Paul, some of the signings Paul Tisdale made. He, he went, he went with players he knew and he, players he trusted. That, okay, there may have been a slightly better player out there potentially, but he knew what you were going to get from them, and you know, sort of yeah. stuck with that. There's obviously, you know, I suppose the other thing is how many, you know, players will have stayed at the club 
because of Port Tisdale and haven't sort of kicked up a fuss looking for a move out elsewhere, which we'll see, you know, sort of see obviously Jordan's story. I'm going to come on and talk to him about him in a second, but he's obviously left the club. There's probably two or three others looking at, you know, who are looking around and thinking, actually, I signed for the club because it is Dale. He's now gone. Do I? You know, I, can, I think I can play at a higher level than League Two. You know, whether they start angling for a move or just wait for someone to come in, we're not sure. But there might, you know, there's probably three or four players we can think of that you can you can see, think that a club in League One might be interested in them and it'll be interesting what kind of you know power Matt Taylor has to convince them to stay when they might be earning more money and playing at a higher level. Yeah, of course there's players as well like Jordan Moore Taylor with you know I've heard rumours that there's potentially a clause in his contract that could allow him to talk to other clubs if City don't go up. So you know there are clauses like that that we don't know are in players' contracts which could also have an effect as to you know what players stay and what players go. Yeah, I mean Morteo's been linked with a few clubs now for the last couple of years because he's been just absolutely brilliant for the club. Um, great captain as well. And, you know, you're looking at other players that might be looking elsewhere. Jaden Stockley, I know he's only joined last summer, but 24, 25 goals, was it? That's always going to be... the kind of number that interests League One clubs. Absolutely, yeah. yeah Christy Christy Pym's another one. Yeah. Been ru- there's yeah. rumours flying around that, yeah, depending on who, you know, he's either wants to go or wants to stay depending on which listen which, yeah, <laughs> which listen to but you kind of feel that particularly you know obviously the England Youth International stuff he's played a lot of games at the level you know looks he's performed pretty well every time he's been involved in you know games on TV or big games that it's the kind of performances that clubs are, will be looking at and thinking you know maybe they want to come in maybe they want to sign him you know it's whether Christy Pym probably would be a number two at a championship club. Is that something he wants at this stage? We're not sure, but he'd probably be, he'd be on more money, but maybe not the game time. So just have, you know, there's players like that, that you can sort of, you know, see what to go. There's rumours here around Boateng yeah. wants to go, whether how trustworthy they are, we're not sure, but he probably feels he could probably play at a higher level. So there's there could be quite a few, you know, movement out of the club as well as, at the end of the club yeah. this summer. I thought we saw we saw the best and the worst of Botang really in the in the playoffs. I thought, you know, the second leg scored that absolutely brilliant mm. goal against Lincoln. Mm. But in the final he just it just didn't seem to turn up really. Just yeah, don't really know what happened to be honest. And but he wasn't alone, was he? I mean the whole team. No, was yeah, there was a few players best. you know, was, we can talk about Hardy's goal um in the second leg yeah. for for ages, but again he was quite quiet in the didn't really get, the he never got the ball though in no. the final which was you know, kind of and it's you know it was sort of a few players who similar-ish to the one uh, early in the, the West Brom game in the cup that there's a few players you know I think Jake Taylor one of them just went quiet in that game and quiet at Wembley and you sort of you know whether it's the, the occasion got to them or the step up in quality or whether it's just got the to them or just the, the tactics and they just couldn't get the, you know yeah. they weren't got the best out of them we're not sure, but... No. Right, we're not going to go back to Wembley, because we've done that one now. I think everyone's uh, bored of talking about Wembley. Uh, we've mentioned Jordan's story a few times. We don't know the exact fee, but the, the rumour is it's around three quarters of a million pound mark. So, great business for City again. Is he someone you would have sold now, or would you have tried to keep hold of him and perhaps try to get more money further down the line? Yeah, I mean, I was surprised, to be honest. Um, 
I think came out of blue, didn't it? Yeah, like, I think a lot of people accepted he was always going to be destined for for bigger and, and better things. But considering he only broke into the first team, what the second half of the season um, says a lot. I mean, it's a massive jump for him from starting last season at Dorchester Town in the ninth tier to now signing for a second tier club. What a rise that is for him. Roy the Rovers. Um, yeah, absolutely. But um, I don't know, I thought I would have given him um, another year perhaps or till Christmas because um, I think he was just getting settled with the side. Um, he linked up so well with, with Jordan Moore Taylor um, and helped himself to a, a couple of goals as well. Um, so he's got that in his locker. Mm. But yeah, great, great move for him. Um, almost too good I suppose you know to go from a club Preston who have got a lot of history of course and Alex Newell manager um, and they just missed out on the playoffs last season so I think there's a lot of ambition there and you know they'll probably be pushing for promotion um, next season um, it'll be interesting to see how much he does feature for them you know if, if they are paying that sort of money you know you You'd think he'd be quite a regular yeah, player for him. Certainly in the first team squad. Yeah, surely, surely. But um, yeah, it'll just be interesting to see how he copes with, with the pressure. Obviously, it's a massive move for him. He's only 20, going from a, a little Devon club to, you know, the North West. Um, yeah, I, I'm still quite shocked at it, to be honest. But um, How far do you think he can go? Do you think he can go all the way to the Premier League? He's got that potential. I mean, he's still. A young man. Let's not forget he's 20 years old. But something must have happened, you know, for him to go from Dorchester Town to a Championship club. Such a massive rise. Obviously, you know, a lot of people have seen a lot of potential, a lot of good things in him. And you know, I could see from from his debut, you know, um, just how calm and composed he was at that age to be, you know, shouting out orders and just so calm on the ball. Um, he had a couple of shaky moments towards the final end of the season maybe that was pressure and nerves given where the club were but um, yeah I would not be surprised to see him in the Premier League one day Do you agree with that Dan? Yeah I mean it's, he's come into it you know he looked you know, looked pretty solid you know coming to the side he's got a lot of potential and you know I think it, you know for Preston I think I think it's possibly that moves come six months too soon and you'd like him to have played six months more of football, but I suspect from their point of view, they're looking and thinking, well, we, we, we've seen this guy, we like what we see of him, we'll, we'll, we'll get him now, you know, get the money, get him, get the deal in, and you know, before, you know, if, if he does turn out, be great, have another great six months, and Preston might have been priced out the market, or bigger clubs come in, so they've, they've moved first, maybe a tiny bit too soon, but... You know that's a risk they're willing to take, and they can you know, develop him at the pace they see fit. I mean, for City, I think they'd like to have kept him for another season. I think that would. I don't think it would have been one that they'd have had at the top of their list. To, you know, expecting the offer to come in for, but then this time last season, I don't think anyone would have expected Jordan Story to be anywhere near a squad near the squad. So, no, no, so it's sort of a bonus sale that you yeah. didn't really expect to happen. Um, you know, if the figure's around, you know, seven hundred and fifty thousand pound, perhaps if you'd held out for another year, you could have got more on that. But but then if he has that second yeah, season where he doesn't play as well, yeah, and of course he's lost yeah, his value, hasn't he? Yeah. So it's a tricky one for the. And the other thing is that which 
can you? I don't think a League Two club can turn down that kind of offer. I mean, no. you know, you're an, you're you're Exeter. Well, you know, they're a League Two club, but you know, they're run by the trust. They're not being they're not bankrolled by anyone. They've got to make money. You know, yeah. somehow they've got to make the money. So it's the this kind of you know, no League Two club would have turned down that offer. I don't think because it's actually how can you turn down seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds? Roughly, roughly for a twenty-year-old, when you've got ma- glaring out, you know, massive areas of the squad that need work, and it, you know, if they want to sign two, you know, another striker and a, an attacking midfielder to to go forward, well, you're not going to get them for three. You need the money from somewhere. So, you know, this might be, you know, it might be that the trade-off you've got to have, you've got to sell story, so you can fund a yeah. twenty-five goal season striker and a, and a winger who tears defenders apart that might get you up because. You know, I suppose the other question is actually with Troy Brown back fit, who would have started at centre back next season? You know, would Story have even started? Is a is a question, you know, probably a fair question to ask because, you know, is Troy Brown a you know better defender right now? Possibly he is, um, but Story's obviously got a lot more potential. But you know, do you deal in the here, here and now and go with a proven partnership? So it's you know it's a, it's a shame to see him go, but I don't think anyone. And really criticise the club or the player for for the move because you know, that you know it's the move with the money that it involved the step up in in quality it's just one that you just can't turn down. Mm. Ticks all the boxes, didn't it? Really? Yeah. Uh, one final thing then um, we've seen St James's Park radically changing over the last couple of weeks. The new stands looking pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's important, despite all the, the doom and gloom and, and uncertainty, that, hang on, we've got a, a brilliant new stand coming and it already looks um, better, than, yeah. better than the old one. Even though it's half built. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just from the outside. Yeah, know, it does. the old grandstand. I just hope they change those turnstiles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they've got it, haven't they? But yeah, just from going from a horrible green, why on earth it was green, who knows? Yeah. Unless it was mould, um, <laughs> potentially. Yeah, to that, to a, a nice looking um, stand. You know, I sat in the old grandstand a few times. Obviously, it's where the press box used to be, and no poles in the way or anything like that. It should get a, a fabulous view from there. Um, so yeah, there's obviously that to look forward to. Um, it was strange last season, obviously only having two stands, and when. City were on TV filming nothing really, um, so yeah, there's definitely that excitement going. Obviously, it would have been nice to have that going into to League One, but um, you know it's part of a a new era, a new chapter in, in the club's history, and you know hopefully we'll, we'll get a few a few seat, bums on seats there, and um, who knows that could play a a, a good important factor in. in you know, success next season. It could drive the the players on. It's interesting to think how having only two stands, you know, did that affect the players psychologically or not? Um, it's an interesting one. And um, seemingly not. I mean, the home form last season was well, yeah, pretty good course. compared to well, recent yeah. years. Yeah, whether so. the fact that reduced away attendances yeah. affected away teams more, perhaps. Yeah. Obviously, they mm. were capped at about about three fifty. Away fans, you know, squashed into a little corner, you know, of a stand right by the corner, which isn't actually what away fans want at all. They want to be standing behind the goal, and 
they didn't get that last season. Of course, they'll, they'll get yeah. that. They'll get yeah. that back this season, and that might actually be counterproductive to Exeter having a better away stand than they had before. More people might yeah. come down to it. You, you know, we won't get drums next to the press box either, which <laughs> which might which nice. might be you know, and sort of our, our, our away fans arguing with the with the home fans right behind you, which yeah. makes it quite difficult to concentrate on commentating and in in writing your match reports. But yeah, there was one game against Luton where I was right at the end of the press <laughs> box and there's literally just one row going down <laughs> of segregation yeah. and then you had the Luton fans and some Exeter fan gave him a little bit of chip and of course the Luton fans reacted. Next thing, my laptop's like flying <laughs> and oh, they're on top of me and all sorts. So uh, yeah, yeah it'd be can't. nice to see a bit of a, a segregation <laughs> between the press and the away end. That's for sure. Right, well, that's all we've got time for this week. Thanks to both Jamie and Dan for joining me on the show this week. We'll be back again with more of the same next week, so be sure to join us then. Bye-bye.